just a little warning before we begin that this series contains strong language and discussion of an adult nature, so may not be suitable for everybody. Welcome to Where Mama At in the Soul Bear Sessions series with me, Angela Smith. This series tells true life stories from extraordinary people who've thrived after enduring extreme trauma and life challenges. And they're speaking out and bearing their souls, often for the very first time, to share their stories and offer hope to other people who are going through difficult situations. The special guest today, who over the next few episodes is going to be telling his incredible life story, is Terence Holloway. In fact, his story is so dramatic and so filled with incredible twists and turns that there's actually a movie being made about it. It's a story about growing up on the run from a drug gang, becoming a rap star and working with the likes of Tupac and Exhibit, looking for his homeless mother on the dangerous streets of Los Angeles, and even building an alter ego to escape his real identity after being a three-time victim of sexual abuse. Here are a few clips of what's to come in this episode. My brother came to me and we had a mutual agreement that we're going back to Los Angeles. I burned down a house that has stolen computers inside. And I didn't know that the stolen computers was inside. So the police was already watching this house. So I burned down the wrong house. <laughs> Tell me what the difference is between Houston and San Francisco or how it was for you. Um, Houston was really rough. Uh, the difference between San Francisco and Houston was I was becoming more kind of independent and having friends and just like kind of finding myself in San Francisco. And that was cut short when we went to Houston. Uh, when we got to Houston, um, we went to stay with my mom's sister. And that's why she headed for Houston, because yes. she had a sister there. Yes. And my mom had a very strange relationship with her sister. They never really talked until they were really older until this time. Um, I didn't even know my mom had a sister. They didn't they didn't get along. They didn't know each other. But this was like a I guess a way for her to connect with her or, you know. She older? Just to have a, have somewhere to go. Um I don't know. And I mm -hmm. still don't know. They looked around the same age. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't really talk too much. My mom really didn't talk too much to me about certain things. Like and that was one of the things, so I didn't know. Okay. Um, so when we got to their house. Um, the first night that we went in, um, they put me, me and my sister was in the living room and my mom went and talked to her sister outside. Um, the first night I stayed on the couch in the living room and they had like a spare small room for my sister and my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, the next day I met my cousins, which is. My mom's sister, her kids. Her kids. Um, they were a little bit older. They were kind of my brother' age, like older. They were older. Um, and then I remember they took me out to a bio, like a bio. They um, took me fishing to a bio, like uh, we went and caught crawfish and stuff like that. Um, the girl was standoffish. Was girl and boy. The girl was standoffish. The the boy cousin. 
was really in keen to my brother. So he was like a bad kid. So, you know what I'm saying? Like not a bad kid because they were almost adults, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But my brother and him kind of keen with each other. And um, all I know is when I got back to the house, my mom told me to come outside. And when I went outside, she came outside with uh, some blankets and a pillow. And um, she told me that I had to sleep in the car. Did she give any reason for why you had to sleep in the car? No, she was real. She was upset though. She was she was she was highly pissed off. But she didn't talk too much to me about these things. I didn't have reasons. Did you speak to your aunt about why you had to sleep in the car? High and by situations. I never really had conversations mm. with them. Well, how long did you end up sleeping in the car for? Um, it was a long time. Maybe like about four months. Four months every um, single night you were sleeping in the car. Except for a couple of nights on the weekends when she would go out. I'll be able to go in the house. Were you actually allowed in the house at all to use the bathroom or yes. the kitchen? Yeah. Yeah. But you just couldn't sleep in the I house. I couldn't sleep in the house. That's um crazy. so at night, um I would I wouldn't I didn't even want to go in that house. So if I had to pee or something like that, I'd go pee on the side of the house. Mm. I didn't want to go in the house. I didn't like that. I didn't like the house. So what did you do in the evenings after school? I would be able to go inside the house for a little bit until she's off of work. And um, when it's time for me to go to sleep, I had to sleep in the car. So we made a little pallet, sometimes in the front seat where I can, um, front seat passenger, where I lay it all the way down, sometimes in the back seat. How did you feel when you were sleeping in the car? I was pissed off. Were you scared? No. Was the car on their driveway or was it in the street? It was in the street right in front of the house. And was it a nice street or was it potentially dangerous? How, how did it feel? No, it was a nice neighbourhood. Um, big houses, um, long stretch properties. So you wouldn't be able to see the next door neighbour. You can see who was across the street. You can see their property across the street. But next door neighbours, it was like long fields and bayous. So it's like a ditch in front of, it's like a house. And right in front of the house, it's a ditch, and they call it a bayou, so it goes down. It's a ditch. And then after that, after the driveway, then it's the street. Mm. So um, my mom would park on the side, I mean, in front of the house. Mm. Yeah, because her cars was in the driveway. So she wouldn't even let you unpark her car in the driveway, so at least she'd be off the street? No, no, her car, her car was the only car in the, in the driveway. It's beyond, I, I mean, I can't... I can't compute that at all. Like, did, is she still alive now? Do you know your aunt? No, she's dead. Yeah. Yeah, the kids are alive. Are you in touch with the kids? No, I don't talk to them. Never have after that. No. Mm-mm. My sister has a relationship with them because mm. my sister grew up with them. You got mind you, my sister was small, mm. a baby, mm. and she never left Houston. So my sister ended up a relationship with the mom and the kids, mm. and that's like her family. But does your sister know? Your no. aunt made you do. No. She will now. She does she still doesn't know to this day. So you started a new school, presumably in Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that like? When I started the new school in Houston, that's when more of like popularity and like I was like the cool kid because um I would say I started kind of being like bad a little bit. So that's when I started smoking not heavily, but I started smoking weed. School was okay. Yeah, school was okay, but I didn't. I didn't really go. What did you do instead? 
I used to ditch a lot. Mm. I used to just hang out at the parks and like hang out with the bad kids. And that's when I started kind of like being mischievous and stuff. What kind of things would you get up to? Nothing, just hanging out. I didn't really do too much. Like I didn't, I didn't get into too much. It was just um, weed was my thing. Mm. Marijuana was my thing. So I just used to smoke and have drinks. Mm-hmm. Did your mom know that any of this was going on, that you were ditching school or any smoking weed or... No, my mom, my mom, she knew I smoked, but she mm. didn't know that I was ditching school like I was. Mm. Yeah. That period of time lasted for four months. You mm-hmm. sleep in the car at your aunt's house. Then what happened? Um, my mom worked two jobs in Houston and she ended up getting some money um, and she ended up getting a nice house. That was like our first house. And um, it was a real nice, it was a big house. She ended up getting a nice house in Houston. And once we moved out of uh, out of my mom's sister's house, um, my brother came to Houston. Hmm. And so now in the household, it was me, my brother, my mom, and my little sister. Okay. Yeah. And how did that go? It was cool for a certain time being because my mom still wasn't around a lot. So it was okay. Um, for me, it was hard for me because um, I used to have to watch my sister. So um, my mom would put the food in containers in the refrigerator, and then I would have to cook, and I would have to watch my sister pick her up from school, take her to school. And then she ended up getting the babysitter, So, um, but the babysitter was only a couple hours after school. So I would have to pick her up from school. Go to go take her to the babysitter, pick her up from the babysitter, go feed her, and go lay her down. And why was your brother not involved in this when he was older? My brother was bad. He was in the streets. Mm. Yeah. So she couldn't rely on him? No, not at all. Right. So did that make you resentful of your sister, or did you enjoy looking after her? No. Um, it didn't make me resentful of my sister. It made me resentful of the situation I was in. More... more angry with my mom and my brother because mm. nobody was helping me. Mm. You and your brother both became a bit restless in Houston, didn't you? Yeah, my brother came and picked me up one time. Um, I was ditching school and he came and picked me up uh, to go hang out with him and his friends. And then we got on the bus and the bus got into an uh, accident. And we ended up in the hospital. Um, so... When we got to the hospital, we both was kind of scared to call my mom because we didn't have an excuse why we was in the hospital. So I ended up calling her. And um, mind you, we're in the hospital. I have a neck brace on, and my brother has a, a sling on his arm. I was holding on the rail of the bus, the top rails. And when the bus got into an accident, like I was holding on the rail, and when the bus got into an accident, uh, my body flew up and, and hit the floor. And my brother, his arm hit the hit the side. So the ambulance came. They took us to the hospital. We get to the hospital. And then um, when I called my mom, uh, I told her what happened. She asked me, automatically she asked me, she said, what was you doing? And I told her I just go to go hang out with my brother. And she said, um, however you got there, get back home. However you got there. Like, use the same mode of transport to get back home. Yes. Like, you get on the bus yeah. to come home. However you got there, get back home. That's what she said. Wow. So, um, they let us go without parental advisory um, the next morning. 
So me and my brother, um, me and my brother, we got on a bus. We went somewhere in Houston. It was like in a, they have different wards. We went to somewhere in Houston. And we started looking through different apartments. We found an apartment that was furnished, um, apartment building that had furnished apartments. So we broke into the apartment building. We stayed there for three days. For three days? Yeah. And then my brother had parties there every night. And did your mum not know, not worry about where you were? Yeah, she was worried, but not really, not really. It wasn't like a big concern. She didn't go to the hospital looking for you? No, no. What happened after the three days in the furnished apartment? We left. We ran out of, my brother ran out of money. We left and we had to go back home. Oh, he was paying for it then? No, we broke in. I'm talking about he ran out of money for liquor and weed and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not paying, no. We broke in that place. Security guard came one night and we had to really be quiet. I know the security came one night and we had to all be quiet in the apartment. But um, uh, after the party was over, it was like three days, two nights. Because the day we got to the hospital, we went and found the apartment. We partied that night, stayed there the next day, partied that night, left the next day. Wow. Yeah. How did you get in? Through a window. Took oh. off the screen and then um, we pushed, you uh, took off the screen, pushed the window open a little bit because it had the lock yeah. on there and pushed it open and slide it. Wow. That easy. Yeah. Was it fun? <laughs> I mean, for me, for me, it wasn't really all that fun. For my brother, it was fun. My mm. brother, like, I wasn't into it. Mm. And what kind of reception did you get when you got home finally? My brother got a my brother got beat. He got a he got a whooping bag. Um, he got hit with uh, he got hit with a extension cord and a um, stick from outside. Wow! And then um, I was on. I got put on punishment. I what? got put. Um, what does that mean? Put on punishment. Mm. I couldn't leave the house. I had to watch my sister. She <laughs> took, um, she took like a lot of like all the little games and stuff I had. Like so, like a real strict punishment. Um, she had me go into the kitchen and she put rice on the floor and made me uh, kneel on the rice for maybe like about two or three hours. That was one of my punishments. What just to cause pain in your knees? Uh huh. Wow, that's a bit sadistic, isn't it? That's... Not really. No. Mm-mm, that was common. Was it? Mm-hmm. Never heard of that one before. Mm-hmm. That was common. Or either going to the corner and your nose has to touch the corner for like about five or six hours. Five or six hours? And your nose has to touch it. Otherwise, you're going to get hit with something. Do you think those punishments are effective in any way? For me, it was. For my brother, it wasn't. For you, it was. It mm-hmm. stopped you from doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. But it didn't stop your brother. Mm-mm. We'll be right back continuing the conversation with Terence after these quick messages from our sponsors. From the same company that brought you this series, there are three new podcasts that we strongly recommend. The first one is a true crime series called Framed for Murder, the case of Matthew Turner. It's a really harrowing and quite intriguing true crime series about a guy who's now 32 years old and he spent the last 14 years in prison for a crime that all the evidence suggests he did not commit. The series, available as a podcast or on video, follows his legal team as they reinvestigate the case and fight for his exoneration in real time. If you're a true crime fan, it's absolutely not to be missed. 
On a totally different note, we've got a podcast about online dating called Accidentally MILF Online Dating Adventures After 50 with Angel Bliss. The podcast has already won nine awards and if you listen to it, you'll understand why. Oh my goodness, the scrapes and the stories that are told in this podcast are absolutely hilarious. It is brilliant fun and is highly, highly recommended. And for music fans everywhere, Paul Ryder, the legendary bass player of Manchester Legends Happy Mondays, who sadly passed away in July 2022, well, he has a brand new series coming out, available as a podcast or on video called The Paul Ryder Tapes, Sex, Drugs, Happy Mondays and Me. You see, in the months leading up to his death, he sat down with me and told his whole life story in absolute depth revealing lots of secrets about Happy Mondays and he also talks about his own drug addiction, his own struggles with mental health and there are lots of really funny and special anecdotes and cool guests such as Paul Oakenfold, Peter Hook, Clint Boone and many many other big names from the music world. So that's the Paul Ryder tapes coming soon, please check that one out as well. What do you feel about that kind of punishment? I mean, how, how did you discipline your kids when you finally had them? My kids never got punishments like that, no. ever. My kids barely got punishments. I've never touched my kids, never mm. put them on punishments, nothing like that. Mm. It was other things I can do with my kids to um, make them a believer. <laughs> but yeah, I, my kids didn't have punishments like that. I would take a video game like their favorite mm. video game, something like that. But I wouldn't yeah. put my kids on. I wouldn't no. put my kids through what I went through. No. Okay, so um, your brother then was getting increasingly um, antsy in Houston wanting to leave. Tell me about that. We both was. Mm-hmm. We both was. I hated Houston. My brother was cool with Houston because he had a lot of friends and he was like moving around, but he just wanted to go back to LA. But me, I hated Houston. I did not like Houston. I didn't like the countryness. I didn't like the talk. I didn't like, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, and then I was getting really popular. So a lot of people were coming to me and, and like, it was a lot of fake. I like, I, like, you gotta understand that I come from a point where I've only always always had one friend. So then I go to Houston and now everybody's approaching me and then nobody really knows me and no, knows what I went mm-hmm. through. So it's like, that's when I started building up a character mm-hmm. and building up a different kind of uh, persuade by myself. And you had a, a special way of dealing with when you, when you would get really fed up with the situation. Tell me what you would do. I got infatuated with fires. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was when I stayed with uh, my mom's sister. And that was at night when everybody was gone. Was gone. My mom used to smoke cigarettes, so she'd leave her lighter or her matches in the car. So I used to just light the matches and throw them in the bio and light the matches. And I'd just be looking at matches and burn matches. Um, from there, it went to me lighting up little trash cans mm-hmm. and just watching the fire in the trash cans. When I had to start watching my sister, um, like late nights, then um, that's when it started getting bigger. Mm. Because you were just frustrated. The first time the big one happened, I went to, uh, I went down the street from my house and there was a house that was empty. And um, the, I guess the people just moved out, but they left stuff in the garage. And I seen a, a gas can that was full. 
So I grabbed the gas can and then I put a streak of the gas all the way down the street, like a real long streak of the gas. I lit up the gas and it started like a line of fire. And I was just like infatuated with that line of fire. Hmm. And um, then I waited, watched my sister for a couple more days, waited, watched my sister for a couple more days. And then I went back to the house and the house was still empty and didn't see nobody going there. So then um, I took the gas can and I lit it. I mean, I took the gas can and I poured the gas from the street into the garage, into the kitchen, into the living room. So it was like a long streak that went all the way into the house. And then um, that was the first time I lit a house on fire. And what was the reason? Like, what's, what was the trigger for you to do that? I don't know what that was about. I mm. have no idea. I was infatuated by flames and fire. Mm. Yeah. And did you stand and watch the house burn? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I ran across the street and hid in the bio by the bush. And how did you feel watching it burn? Nothing. It was just like exciting to watch that fire. Fire engines came and... Fire engines came, um, put the fire out. After that, then it was big to me. Like, okay, I want to do that again. That's exactly what happened. Like, I wanted to do that again. But I wouldn't just go wake up and do it, you know what I'm saying? But it had to be like, you know what I'm saying? It was just like my frustration. It was kind of like letting things out. My brother came to me and we had a mutual agreement that we're going back to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Like, I hated Houston. We had a mutual agreement. We're going back to Los Angeles. My brother started working at a rental car place. And um, my brother came to me and said, okay, I'm going to pick you up. And then just make sure your bag is packed. And I'm going, like, we're going back to LA. Like, I'm taking you with me. We're going back to LA. So I was really, really stoked. I was really, really stoked. I didn't know how I was going to do it because I was still watching my sister. So we had to put it on a weekend, and it was on a Sunday um, mm -hmm. when my mom didn't work, but it was, it had to be late, late at night. You know what I'm saying? So my mom was in the house. So. Um, I had went, went, I grabbed my bag, I put it out the window, put it out my window, and then uh, I snuck outside, grabbed the bag the night that he was supposed to come get me. And then I was just sitting there all night. My brother didn't come. So I'm thinking like, okay, then he's going to come tomorrow night because he didn't even come back to the house. So mind you, my mom is working. My I'm watching my sister. So right when my mom gets home from work, I, I'm looking like I have on my pajamas and I'm sitting in the room. But right when she gets home and, go, and goes into her room, I put on my clothes and my backpack is still outside. So I go outside and wait on Monday. And then the same thing happened for Tuesday. The same exact thing happened for Wednesday. Like I'm sitting outside for all these days. And I sat outside for five days and my brother never came. And then I was, that's when I got really, really, really upset. So when it came to the weekend, um, that's when I burnt the big house. What happened? Um, same thing, a gas can. So I kept the gas can in the back of our apartment. I mean, back of our house, excuse me. And I went and put gas in it. And then from this time, I made gas go from the street to the backyard, to the back door. I just made like a long streaks of gas and all the way up the stairs. I went up the stairs this time. Um, in all the bedrooms. But mind you, if I'm burning houses down. I only burnt 
like not a lot. Of, it's not like I burned a lot of houses down, but these are houses that were vacant. Hmm. And I made sure it was vacant houses. Like they had a lot of vacant houses in Houston in our neighborhood because it was a real nice neighborhood, but it was a lot of vacant houses. Hmm. So it was houses that's empty. It wasn't nothing hmm. inside these houses. And I made sure I looked for that. I looked for, like, made sure, because I used to scope out the houses before. Um, and then I put the house on fire. And that was, that was one of the biggest ones. And it was a real big house. Real, real big house. Looked like a real big, expensive house. And this time, when I go run and go watch the fire, now I see police. I don't only see fire trucks. I see police come. So I start... Um, I took off my shirt. I had a tank top on. I had a shirt and a tank top. Took off my shirt and then um, walked down the bayou. And I seen the police flashing their lights up and down the bayou. So I tried to hide in the bayou, bayou. So somehow I get to the corner where you can't hide no more. You have to actually walk out the bayou into the street. And then right when I walked into the street, that's when the police um, came and arrested me. Had they seen you? Had somebody seen you? Yeah, it was people outside that seen me on this one. The last one people seen me. And they pointed me out. And what happened to you? Um, so I got arrested. And then um, that was like the worst time of my life. That was, uh, when I got arrested, police took me down a long dirt road. And they beat me with the um, with their billy clubs. They was in the car calling me nigger. And they was they were saying that we got the, we got the robber. Um, um, it was a lot. It was a lot. But they beat me. They beat me up really, really bad. And then they took me to a holding cell. And they put um, next thing you know, I'm in a holding cell. And they put somebody in the cell right next to me. And it was an old it was an older white man they put in the cell next to me. And right when he got in the cell, he just started cussing at me and cussing me out. Um, so I burned down the house that had stolen computers inside and I didn't know that the stolen computers was inside so the police was already watching this house so I burned down the wrong house <laughs> <laughs> this is the second, the second house had the stolen computers yeah right. yeah yeah okay so um I wasn't even supposed to be in the holding cell because they were supposed to call my parent hmm. um so the guy was screaming at me all night he was screaming at me all night so he got arrested also so it was his house yeah it was his house Ooh. yeah it was his house that I burnt. But he had the stolen computers and it was a separate garage. I burnt the house down. It was a separate garage. So they was able to confiscate the computers. Oh, I see. Yeah, so he had lived there before, but he had his stolen computers in that garage. Yeah. So um, after that, police took me home, took me to my mom's house. I wasn't telling them where I stayed or nothing like that. So by the um, by the next day, after this man was doing all this shit to me, I just I, I went on and they took me in a room and I told them where I lived and stuff like that. And um, they took me to the door of my mom and I had handcuffs on. And then uh, I just remember my mom, a look that she gave me. She gave me like the like a look of death. Like I thought I was about to get beat. She talked to the police. I heard the door slam. She came into my room and she said, get the fuck out of my house. And she meant it? Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. she mean get out of the house for an hour or two? Did she nah, mean leave nah. forever? What, yeah. what, what did she mean? Yeah, she, mean, she meant leave. Because she she's, say- she's done it to my brother many times. And I know, I know that I knew that, that look and I knew what she was talking about. She, mean, she meant for me to go. 
And how did you feel about that? I didn't care. I was ready to go. I grabbed my shit and then uh then she tussed, she tussled with me a little bit. Um she wouldn't let me grab all my stuff because she said that she um I couldn't take nothing out the house that she bought. Um I had uh I had a couple things in the um in the garage. Uh, she wouldn't let me go in the garage. And um I just filled my backpack up with whatever I could and I left. Where did you go? Um I walked the streets for maybe like about three days. Did you sleep? Just walk. Um, one night I got into, I, um, broke into an apartment and just slept on the floor. Mm. And then I went to friend's house after that, like friend and friend and friend and friend and friend. I was staying at people's houses for a couple of days or until they can, you know what I'm saying? Mm. I used to have to climb through a couple of people's windows and go sleep on, sleep like, like up under their bed type shit. The next phase of your life was a completely contrasting experience because the next phase of your life involved you heading back to L.A., Yes. And meeting up with your dad again, who'd been released from jail. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about that in the next episode. Um, amazing stuff. Thank you for sharing your story. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> On the next episode, Terence continues his incredible life story. I reached down and I seen that it was a purse. And then, so I was like, oh shit. So I looked around and I waited until she went to sleep and I went inside her purse and then it was a gang of money in the purse. So I snatched the money out. From that point on, my dad was my best and worst enemy. Mm. He was my best friend and one of my worst friends. Please visit our website at wheremamaapp.com or soulbearsessions.com where you'll find links to all of our socials as well as information about resources that might be useful to you if some of the things that we've talked about today have resonated with you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd really appreciate a review and please tell your friends about the series and help spread the message that no matter how grim a situation may seem, there are others who have gone through something similar and have made it through. Thank you so much for listening. It really, really means the world to us and we look forward to having you with us again next time. Have a great day and thank you. This series was brought to you by Glistening Productions. It was produced by Angela Smith. Associate producer was Sarah Walters. Editing was by Terence Holloway and Richard Hayward. Cameras by Richard Venti. Sound recording was by Marty Black. And the executive producers are Angela Smith and M. Jacoby. Glistening Productions.